Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is going to be in the Old Testament. We want to look at this scripture. Um, before we do, so you're going there, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk. I really believe that the the results that we're getting at your place church right now. I mean, first service was packed. This service is, is pleasantly full. Third service, we have more and more people uh, worshiping at, is because of what happens here on Wednesday nights. And so to all of you guys who value prayer and you're here on Wednesday nights, I just wanted to take a weekend opportunity to say thank you. Thank you so much for valuing prayer, altering your lives to be a part of it. Um, We can tell the difference. We can tell the difference. Those of us who are in leadership, um, who are leading this thing, we can feel the difference uh, of your prayers. And we believe the reason why last Wednesday, last month was so powerful, just had another story this morning, uh, just woke up with with headaches because of a a, a past uh, experience and procedure that she had, and uh, came, got prayer for uh, during last Wednesday, hasn't had a headache since. Come on, give glory to God. Amen. From migraines to no migraines. Uh, And again, I told you last week, someone who um, had thyroid cancer instantly healed in Jesus' name. Like just story after story after story. Why? Why? Well, the truth of of God's word plus the prayers, the prayers of the people. So we're we're thankful for that. Now today, before I know you're in Isaiah, I'm going to start in Hebrews because I want, to, I want to point to something here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. The Bible says, For indeed the gospel was, was preached to us as well as them. Now the them that he's referring to is he's talking about the Old Testament, some of the old men of God, women of God who came up. See, it's not just folklore. It's not just legend. Like the Old Testament happened. And these men of God knew it. They knew. It was, it was their history books. And he's pointing back to them when he says this. He says, uh, indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Meaning this, they sat in the same services. They heard the same message. And make no mistake, friends, there are two types of people in the room today. The people who are here to hear the word and people that are here for a motivational speech. And listen, I'm good, but I ain't that good, all right? If you're looking for a motivational speech, then you're probably going to miss out today. But the Bible says the word did not profit them, which they heard because the Bible says not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. What this tells us is we have a responsibility in this, in this service today just as much as I have a responsibility. you got to mix faith with the Word. you gotta, you got to stir yourself up. you got to listen to the Word of God. you got to let your eyes rest on the Word of God. You've got to be open enough to receive and hear what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to you about this message. That's how you mix faith with it. 
So if we want to profit from today, then we've got we to show up. We've got to release our faith. We've got we to gotta expect God to say something to me every single time I'm here. Every single time we open the Word of God, we want to mix faith with it. Every single time we're in worship, we want to mix faith with it. Because then the Word profits us. Amen? We don't want to be like those that the Bible says the Word which they heard did not profit them. Amen? So with that being said, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. This is what the holy word of God says to you. The Bible says, if, a lot of people think that all the promises of God are yes and amen. It's true. They are. That's what the Bible says. But there's also contingency statements. This, any statement that starts with an if is a contingency, isn't it? It's an if-then statement. If you are willing and obedient, the Bible says, you will eat the good of the land. Is this the Holy Bible? It is. Did God say this? Yes, he did. And he said, if you're willing and obedient, you... Not a special group of people, not just people who pray really, really, really hard. No, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And I feel like in this season of our church, I have to correct some things about the character of God that, you, that you've been believing that just are not true. They're not true. And so we're going to use the scripture to do that. We did this for a few weeks in the area of healing and saw people get healed. Amen, everyone. And now we're going to, we're going to use the same scriptures, the same context in a, in a different area of our life. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. What's the good of the land? What's well, whatever you think is good? Do you think, I mean, is spaghetti the good of the land? <laughs> Only reason why I say spaghetti is because spaghetti's cheap. When, uh, when my son was playing football, he'd always bring his buddies over, and they just ate me out of house and home. You know what I mean? Like, I'd, I'd just go to the store and come and, and open up my, my cabinets, and they're empty again. And it's because all of these football boys, are you with me? Yeah. All of these football boys would show up and just, like, all of the football moms are looking around going, that's right. Yep. Hanky. Yeah, come on. He's preaching good now. But anyway, um... So, so I just, we just decided spaghetti's cheap, and so we're going to make a pot. Oh, sorry. We're going to make a pot of spaghetti. It hit the right target, didn't it? <laughs> we're going to make a pot of spaghetti, and we're just going to keep it in the fridge. You know what I mean? And so even though I, I cook something else, when all of those boys show up, spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti for you, right? And here's the thing. Some people are like, well, I just happen to like spaghetti. Awesome. If that's the good of the land for you, then that's awesome. Because the Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But for me... I think the good of the land is a tomahawk steak. Do you know what that is? Do you know what a tomahawk steak is? It's a ribeye steak that's cut really thick, and they leave that big old bone on it. You know what I mean? And so they, it looks like a tomahawk. And so I, I, I should have brought a picture so I could have showed you. But a, a tomahawk steak, thick, that's grilled medium rare. And some people are like, ooh, there's blood. No, there's not. It's pink. It's pink. That's what it is. Grilled to perfection, 
To me, that's the good of the land. And I'm telling you, a lot of people are like, well, you can't believe God to eat a tomahawk steak. That's just too much. God is not interested in excess. Where did you read that? Where did you read that? See, because we're believing some things about the character and nature of God that are not true. Is God, like if you have, if you don't have a car and you're believing God for a car, is God a used car good God? He is. If that's what you're believing God for, you want a used car, he'll get you a used car. But some people, you're like, man, this car, I just don't know if I can trust it. I need, to, I need to believe God for a newer car. Is God a newer car good God? Is he? He is. And I think it just depends on where you are. See, because none of the limitations that you have in your life are what God's putting in your life. See, we have these roadblocks in our own head that determine how we think how good God is. We think he's used car good, maybe, you know, 100,000 miles plus. But some of us in the room, we're like, I actually need a car that if I can get in it and if I have to drive to Arizona, I need a car that's going to get me to Arizona and back, and I don't, have, I don't want to have to pray on the way there and back. Are, do I have any friends in the room? Amen, right? And so I need a good used car. Is God good used car good? He is. He absolutely is. Well, what about new car? Is God new car good? Some people are like, well, I don't, I mean, that's just excessive. You know, the minute you drive it off the lot, it depreciates, you know, $2,000, $3,000, and God just wouldn't want you to spend your money that way. Now, listen, who's saying that, God or you? Are you with me, friends? I want to prove the point. The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. You get to determine what the good of the land is. Are you with me, friends? Woo, we're in it now. New American Standard Bible says, if you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. Wow. You'll eat the best of the land. I'm going to back up one. New Living Translation says, if you'll only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. Plenty. What's plenty? More than enough, right? We're not rationing out. I, you know, you talk to families that have a lot of kids, and, and the kids, the older kids figured it out quick. The first one to the table is the first one to eat. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, uh, you know, we want to have plenty. If you, if you didn't show up to the table after your big brother got there, there wasn't plenty to eat. But according to Scripture, if you consent and obey, you will have the, the best of the land, New American Standard Version, the Christian Standard Version. Uh, Bible says this, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat good things, plural, of the land. Good things of the land. The contemporary English version says, if you, if you willingly obey me, the best crops, we would say the best resources, the best things in the land will be yours. What's the, what's the contingency if you're willing and obedient? If you're willing and obedient, if your heart's right, if you're willing and obedient, the best crops of the land will be yours. Is this the word of God? It is. Am I, am I pulling this out from someplace? No, it is in your Bible. The Amplified says it this way. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land. Look at verse 20. But, 
Remember last week? Which side of the butt are you on, right? If you refuse, refuse to do what? Be willing and obedient. If you refuse, which that kind of gives itself, it lends itself to this thought of, no, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. If you refuse, the Bible says, and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Make no mistake about it, friends. There is more scriptures in the area of increase, of, um, of God prospering you, than there are any other scriptures or any other topic in the Bible. There are over 2,000 scriptures alone in the area of increase, uh, generosity, prosperity. God has something to say about it, but we've been programmed that God actually doesn't want you to experience that. We've been programmed that the love of money is the root of all evil. And it is true. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. We see God wants you to increase. We see that he wants you to have more than enough. One scripture says plenty. And if you're not having plenty, if you're not enjoying plenty, then we need to figure out why. And so we want to get to the bottom of this today. Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I know that uh, in some Lord, they're going to receive this message, and they're going, to, they're going to take it with gladness, mixing faith with the word. Father, they're going to see instant results. Others, Father, are going to have to chew on this a little bit. They're going to have to undo some negative thinking or some false lies about you and about your character, and that's okay. We give them grace, and we give them permission to do so. And Father, there are those in the room who are going to hear this, and they're just going to instantly put up a wall because of their religious backgrounds. Lord, I'm so thankful that you sent Jesus, that we could have life and have it to the full. One scripture says, more abundantly. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the truth of your word. Now teach us your word right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we think of uh, abundance or we think of wealth or stuff like that. We think, you know, for us, I can remember just believing God to go out to eat. And uh, when, when our kids were younger, we'd always take them out to eat. I say always. When we could take them out to eat, we would. Um, and Tyson is this way. Tyson's funny, and he'll do this to this day. Like, Tyson will not go up and just order a number one combo or a number five without the, you know, tomatoes. He'll, he has to order, uh, especially if they serve breakfast all day long, Tyson will order the same thing to this day. If any of you have had a meal with Tyson, then you know this is the way he orders. He orders one pancake, he orders a large biscuit and gravy, and he orders a plate full of bacon, okay? That's his order. And uh, we can take him to Thomas's, we can take him to Denny's, we can take him to Eastside, we can take him in any one of those places. And if it's a diner-style place, he's going to order one pancake, one order of biscuits and gravy, large, because, you know, you get two biscuits that way, right? Large, and then a plate full of of bacon. And it always costs me more to do this. Like if you just got the number one, hold the hash browns and the eggs, it would actually be cheaper, right? But he doesn't do it that way because he thinks that's wasteful. So instead, he's just going to waste dad's money, what, which is fine. It is. It's, he's the last born. We told the other two, listen, it's probably going to be this way. He's just going to be more blessed than you. And they're okay with it. They're okay with it. Like, they, they are the same way. They treat him the same way. 
And I think in life, we want options. We like options, don't we? We wished everything had an a la carte menu, especially the Bible, right? It'd be like, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a, I'm going I'm to take a little bit of worshiping, no serving. Like, yeah, I'm just going to hold the serving. We just want to come. We just want to worship. We just want to attend, hold the serving. We, we want to take increase and prosperity, but hold, hold that giving stuff. I don't want any of that giving stuff. I just want, I just want the increase. I just want the prosperity. I just want God to move in that area. But it just doesn't work that way. Everything in life is a product of sowing and reaping. There is a cost. There is, an, there is a, a, a right way of doing it. And I know a lot of people are like, hey, listen, you know, the preacher likes to preach on this stuff because, you know, obviously he benefits from this. I don't benefit at all from this. You benefit from this. This message today will change your life if you let it. Instead, I feel like sometimes when I get up and start talking along these lines, I'm, I'm reminded of that story in Acts. In fact, I had them put it up on the screen so you could see it. Acts chapter 7, verse 57. Look at this. At this, at what? When the preacher started talking about finances, uh, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. No! Yank him off the stage, throw him out in the street, Right? No, I live by the same guidelines as you do. The reason why I get to talk about this is because I've lived this. I have not, I have not preached anything that I haven't tested out on my own to make sure it works. Are you with me, friends? And so I want to talk about the phrase, that's just too much. That's just too much. And I'm going to start us off in Matthew chapter 13, verse 45. The Bible says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and he bought it, sold everything, sold the lake house, the furnishings, are you with me, his boat, what, liquidated his assets, his retirement accounts, his 401k, sold both cars to get one pearl of which you and I would look on and say, you sold everything you own to buy one pearl? That's just too much. That's just too much, brother. That's just too much to do, too much to ask, too much to have to be responsible for. It is too much unless you know the value of the pearl of great value. Are you with me, friends? Which in this case, he's referring to the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Is the kingdom of heaven that valuable to you? Is the kingdom of heaven that value? See, so many of us, we filter the cost into what's being asked of us. And if you're in business, you should do this. This is what makes you a good business person. Listen, is what I'm getting worth what they're asking? Like, this is, this is true. We should probably be shrewd. We should be savvy. We should be good business people, right? But when it comes to the things of God, we really have to kind of question some of these areas. It's not okay to filter what God is saying to us by, what am I getting out of this? What, what, what's in this for me, Right? And this is, this is what happens a lot of time. You'll feel like, you know, someone says something or the Lord will, will prompt you to do something, and you're like, oh, I'll have to pray about that first. God asks you to do something, and you have to pray about it first. Like, who are you praying to, right? The Heavenly Father, our God, asks us to do something, anything. 
And we're like, well, we need to pray about that first. Why? Why? Matthew 19, we see this story, another story, of a person that the Bible refers to a rich young ruler. Okay, so he's, he's, a, he's whatever, magazines, you know, most wealthy under 30, right? Like the, the wealthiest person, a rich young ruler. Matthew 19, verse 16, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to, inter- to, to, uh, to get eternal life? He's like, I want to go to heaven. Like when this whole thing's wrapped up and done, I want to go. I want eternal life. You're the answer to eternal life. Like this would be a guy that most of us would want in our churches, right? He loves Jesus. He's wealthy. He's asking God, what do you want me to do? Like what can I do? To which Jesus says, why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. And if you, want to internal, if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother. Like he's reading the Ten Commandments to him, right? And so I'm imagining Jesus is on his way someplace. This rich, young whippersnapper comes up and is like, oh, Lord, 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 I'm listening to you. You preach a good message. Talk about this place called eternity, and like, I want to be there. What do I need to do? Jesus is like, the the Ten Commandments, you familiar with them? Yeah, 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 he says. Look here. He says, "Uh, all these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Like Ten Commandments, I'm doing them. You know, in other words, uh, I've given up a lot already. I mean, the world says it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I turn the other cheek. Like, I'm doing that, right? The world says it's okay to sleep around before you get married, or you know what? used to be a capital punishment if you slept with another man's spouse or another man's wife, right? Now, today, it's like, how much of his stuff do you want in the divorce? Like, back in the day, you used to, like, it was a bad deal. Like, you got, like, time. You you got, it was a capital offense to, to commit adultery. Now it's, how much of his stuff do you want in the divorce? Do you see it? But the rich young ruler's like, I don't do that. I don't mess around like that. I don't steal and lie. I mean, he's a rich young ruler. Ruler over what? Is he an entrepreneur? Is he a, is he a businessman? The Bible's clear to say he's a rich young ruler, right? And so in business, most businessmen will be like, well, I'm just convinced everybody else is lying. So I've got to kind of protect my interest here, and I just won't give them the whole truth, Right? And so this rich young ruler says, listen, I've done all of that. Verse 20, all these I've kept. Commandment 1, 2, 3 through 10, right? I've kept them all, the young man said. What's left? In other words, I'm in, right? I'm in. Like, I, I, I win the, the cash prize. Like, I win eternal life, right? Verse 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, I can imagine he kind of got his attention here. You want to be perfect? Go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Come, then come and follow me. Now, Jesus is obviously recognizing a calling in this young man. Go sell your stuff, sow it into your foster care ministry at your church, right? Then come follow me. There was only a handful of people that Jesus walked up to him and said, you should follow me. 
You should come do life with me. You should sell all that stuff because that's just keeping you tied down here. I've kind of got this traveling thing I'm doing. In fact, I'm on my way. Sell your stuff. Give it to the poor. He didn't even say give it all to the poor. He just says give it to the poor and follow me. Right? So Jesus knows. He sees something here. He's, he's kind of seeing, okay, he can be willing and obedient right here, and I will show him some good things. Or... He's going to desire his stuff more than me. It was a test. It was a test. Hey, go sell all your stuff, give it to the poor, and follow me. And then he pauses, like, you coming? Right? And the Bible says in verse 22, when the young man heard this, he turned around and went away sad. Why? Because he had great wealth. What did he say? Oh, that's too much to ask. Jesus, that's too much to ask, Master. That's too much to ask, Savior of the world and the one I owe everything to. That's, that's, nah, nope, mm -mm. You were good. The Ten Commandments, you were good. But you got into my, my pocketbook. That's, that's just too much to ask because I work for that. You didn't work for it. I, I work for that. that that's, you've gone too far. Now, he started out excited about something, but then something happened. Hey, why don't you get rid of all of that stuff? Follow me. Follow me. Um, why is that actually too much? Who's it too much for? Is it too much for you? Is it too much for God? Because here's what we know. God knows his end of his story. And he knows that if he does this, what's waiting for him? And I'm not talking about in eternity. I'm talking about what's waiting for him in this life. You're going to do this? Because I can see what your faithfulness, if you're willing and obedient, I can see the good of the land for you right here. Are you going to do this? And he says, no, that's too much to ask. Who knows, when he said, come follow me, he, might have been, he may have been one of the disciples. We could have been reading his book in the Bible, right? But instead, because he said, that's too much to ask, he turns around and he goes away sad. We say the same things. That's too much, that's too much to ask for. That's too much time. That's too much time. That's way too much money to, to ask for. Jesus. That's, I have a life. I have responsibilities, even though the master is asking. Are you with me, friends? For some of us, God wants to see if we can be trusted. That's just too much to ask. For who? Because it's never too much to ask for those who are trusting God. Trust that he is a rewarder of them, of those who diligently seek him. That's just too much to ask. For who? Who is it too much to ask? Because it's not too much to ask for of him because he is the one who gives liberally and makes it so we can enjoy all things. It's not too much to ask of God. Reminds me of the story of Abraham. Um, I'm using the scripture as my illustrations today. Abraham left his land. God says, leave your land. Go to a place, 
that I tell you, leave your family, leave the acreage, your family's, you know, property that's been passed down through generations. Yeah, I know you get it next, but you need to leave. Leave your high school buddies. Leave Friday night football games. Leave your favorite coffee shop. Leave the safety of that career of what you know is familiar, of what you work so hard to do, and you just go. Go to the land that I'm giving you. And he's like, oh, cool. Abraham picks up his stuff, and he just starts walking. He's like, where am I going? He says, you just start walking. I'll tell you when you get there. (laughs) Most of us are like, that's too much to ask. Wait a minute. You want me to give up everything that I've worked so hard to do and just start walking with no security, no place to stop, no direction? That's too much to ask, God. And yet we all do that. Some of us, we, we were like, no, 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 that's not too much. But yet we do the same thing. When God begins to prompt our heart in certain areas of our life, we all stand in a moment and we all ask ourselves, that's, is that too much? Is that too much to ask? Is that too much to do? Is that too much? But see, here's the thing. It depends on who you're asking. Because it wasn't too much to ask for God, and it wasn't too much to ask for Abraham because he knew his God. He knew the voice of God, and he has seen God do it again and again and again and again. So when God says, pick up your stuff and start walking, he's like, yes, sir. I know how this is going to end, and it always ends with me on top because he trusts his faith in his God. He goes out. And uh, we get to this place where he wants to have children. God says, you know what? That's cool with me. Uh, you're going to actually be the father of many nations. You're going to have a boy. He's gonna, you're going to name him Isaac. And uh, through him, you're going to have a bunch of great-grandkids, grandkids, great-grandkids, great-great-great-great. In fact, look up into the sky. See all the stars? If you could count them, that's how many kids you're going to have. That's, how many, that's, that's what your legacy looks like. Abraham's like, Cool. Again, we read the whole story, considered not his body dead or, his, or Sarah's body dead, but considered him faithful who promised, had the boy Isaac, right? We think the hard part's done, but then we get to the point where Isaac grows up. He loves Isaac. Like, this is my son. You know, every time you walk in, Abraham walks in, his son's right there. It's like his little shadow. You know what I mean? Proud of him. Sits him up on the counter. That's Isaac. Say, hi, Isaac. Hi, Isaac. No, no, you're Isaac. You're, you're, never mind. Right? It's, it's, he's so proud of him. He's proud of him. Well, it gets to the point when the young man's about, I don't know, upper teens, lower, you know, early 20s. And the Bible says that God came to him and said, all right, you love that boy, don't you? Yes, sir, thank you. Thank you, for, thank you for Isaac. I want you to sacrifice him to me. Pardon? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you love him, and I can tell you love him because he's your focus, he's your world, he's your attention. I want you to sacrifice him for me. And a lot of us in this moment, we're like, that, that, that. That's too much to ask. But it's interesting because Abraham did not assume that position. He goes, sacrifice Isaac. Yes. Okay. Gathers up the wood. Has Isaac gather up the wood. Hey, get some wood. We're going to go up on the mountain. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna present a sacrifice to the Lord. Isaac's like, oh, this is awesome. I've done this before. This is great. Where, where's, the, uh, where's the knife? I got the knife. He's carrying the knife. 
He's carrying the wood. He's carrying the rope. As he's walking up, he's like, Dad, 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 where's the sacrifice? We, we, we forgot the bull. We forgot that. And God says, the Lord will provide, son. And they start heading up the mountain. Dad, Dad, uh, I, I got the wood. I got the rope. I got the knife. Uh, what, is, a, is a sacrifice already up there? Did you send some guys up there ahead of us? The Lord will provide, son. The whole time. The Bible says that Abraham trusted God. Now, here's what you got to understand. The Bible, in fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 says this, by faith, we've been learning a lot about faith here lately. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Look at his, it gives you a glimpse into his heart and what's rolling around on the inside of him. Even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offering, or that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, God told Abraham, Isaac's going to be the, the, the way it happens. You're going to start having kids through Isaac. He's going to marry, they're, they're going to have kids, and then they're going to have kids, and then they're going to have kids. It's going to happen through him. And so God says, yeah, that's going to happen, but you're going to sacrifice him. In our own mind, sometimes when God tells us things, it does not make sense. And he's on his way up. Isaac, you got the wood? Yeah, Dad, got the wood. You got the rope to tie down the sacrifice? Got it right here. Indiana Jones, here we are. You got the knife? Got it right here, Dad. They get up there to the top. I don't see the sacrifice, Pops. Where's it at? Hand me the knife, son. The Lord said, you're the sacrifice. What? Yeah, you're the sacrifice. Get up on the altar. And the Bible says he does it. Because he has been raised. God, God said, God, God told you that? Yeah, he said that. Okay. Gets up. Abraham ties him up takes the knife, has it over his head, and is about to sacrifice his son when the angel stopped him and said, whoa, 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 you pass. You, you, you pass. In fact, there was a ram caught in a thicket. He says, go get that ram, because I'm the God who sees ahead and makes provision for, which that's a word for you. God who sees ahead and makes provision for it. Go get that ram and you sacrifice it instead. Takes, uh, yes, sir, takes Isaac off. <sighs> you know what I mean? Gets the ram, sacrifices the ram. But here's the part, verse 19. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. In other words, God promised me that I would be the father of many nations. He promised me he would do it through that boy. Now he's asking me to kill him. Then he's going to have to raise him back from the dead because that's what God told me. Do you see that? Faith. Believing God. And so many of us would have been like, oh, that's too much. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. He knew God. He trusted God. Knew that Isaac was the way that God was going to bless him. And for most of us, our too much would have ran out long before then. We wouldn't even left the house because we don't trust God. 
No, 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 no. I trust, I trust myself. I trust my own thinking. I've done this before. God. Man, Darian's hard today. What's up with this? Too much for who? Too much for who? Because if you finish Genesis chapter 13, verse 2, Abraham is described in the Bible as a man who's very rich in gold, in silver, and in cattle. And during those times, that was, you could calculate his wealth. He basically was, it's comparable to being an owner of a multi-billion dollar business. Abraham continued to profess his faith to the Lord, and his possessions continued to get greater and greater and greater. Genesis 24, 1, the Bible says it is said that God continued to bless him in many ways. In uh, 13.6, it explains that Abraham continued to accumulate well to the point that he he had to separate from his nephew Lot. So God had blessed him up, and his nephew Lot, who came with him when they left, God was blessing him on account of Abraham because he's in his family. So your kids, listen, have access to blessing because you trust God. And so Lot is like, man, your servants and my servants are kind of bumping into each other. Our cows, your cows, our herds, your herds, like we're eating up all the land. Why don't you pick the best place, which I think is interesting because Abraham gave Lot first choice. Here's the land you pick first. He could have picked the land where all of the streams and the lakes and the green pastures were, but he doesn't. He go picks the land that was next to Sodom and Gomorrah. So Abraham takes the others. Okay, you pick. Okay, here we go. And the Bible says that he was very rich in silver, gold, men servants, maid servants, cattle, herds, like very rich, the Bible says. Friends, That's too much, but yet that's God. See, your version of too much, I'll say it this way to be more inclusive, our version of too much is not the same as God's version of too much. No, listen, there is no price too high. There is is no cost too much. If God wants it, he gets it. It's his. It's his if we trust him. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Because here's the thing. He sees the end. We think if I give this that I just won't have it. We think if I do this, if I step out of this, out of this safety of this area and go to this area, then I won't have the safety net of what I've always known and what I've loved. If I make that decision, here's how it affects me. We're always counting the cost. God says, no, 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 no. I asked you to do it. I asked you to do it. Let me show you what's too much to God. Too much to us sometimes is like, I'm just not going to do that. That's too much to ask God. Let me show you what's too much to God is. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is what's too much to God. If you want to know what's too much, this is too much. The Bible says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Right? So, so if we're going to give you, we're going to give you some, some meal or some, or some flour, you know, Typically, if it calls for a cup, you scoop out the flour, you get your little knife, and you, right, one cup. That's all we're doing, right? Well, a good measure is when you scoop it, and it's heaped over, and you don't go like that. Are you with me? And so he says, if you do this to me, I'm going to do this to you. So already, that would be worth it, wouldn't it? Give. 
give and it will be given to you. Good measure. That's God's character versus our character. Are you with me? 10%. Okay, $100.21. God. Good measure. It's like five guys, burgers and fries. You get the fries. They put it in the carton. You know what I mean? (laughs) You always get more fries in the bag, right? God says, give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Press down. Okay. Got a little bit more space there, right? A little bit more. Press down. Okay. We'll be given back to you. Is this the word of God? Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down. Uh-oh. Shaken together. Oh, my gosh. Scoop it out. Press it down. Shake it together. Scoop some more. Scoop some more. Heap it up. Then, the Bible says, running over. Okay, so here we go. Well, scoop. Okay, so you give, right? Then God gives. (sighs) Right? Come on, that's the character of God. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will be poured into your lap. That's just too much. Are you with me, friends? That's too much. God is always going to err on the too much for you than he does too much. You cannot outgive God. You want another story? I'll give you another story to prove my point. I can give you 15 or 20 of them through Scripture. There's 2,000 Scriptures in the Bible that talk along these lines. Luke chapter 5, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water, let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. What's he saying? That's just too much to ask. We folded our nets. We're like, we just want to go home, get a good nap, because, you know, we got to do this again tonight. Just want to get warm, right? Was that too much? No. See, he thought it was too much, but the Bible says we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, God, if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fishes that the Bible says that their nets, plural, began to break. That's too many fish. Didn't God know what he was doing Come on, threw their nets out there. He made so many fish show up that their nets are breaking. Come on, God, that's wasteful. Exactly. Because God is a too much God. And so they're, they're like, and so they're like, oh my gosh, right? And their nets are breaking. They're like, oh my gosh. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says um, that their nets begin to break So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come help them. Hey, look at this. 
this. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, but like the water's like, and they're like, ah, you guys come help, come help, come help. And there's, oh, okay, here we go. They're coming up. They pull their boat next to them. They all grab each side of the net and they begin to lift it up, right? The Bible says that there were so many fish that the other boat came to help them and they came and filled both boats so full that both boats began to sink. That's too many fish. Are you with me, friends? God is a fish-catching, net-breaking, boat-sinking, too much God. Amen, everyone? Oh, some of you haven't got this yet. When you get this revelation, it changes your life. That God is a pressed down, shaken together, running over kind of God. And most people are like, but I've just never heard this before. It's right there. His nature, his character. And people are like, oh, preacher, you preach this message. And, and people will start thinking God's a generous God. Yeah. It's exactly what I want to do. And it's kicking some religious devils out of people's lives. Are you with me, friends? God is a fish catching, <laughs> net breaking, boat sinking, too much God. If, if, Isaiah 1 says, you're willing and obedient. If you're willing and obedient. See, Simon could have been obedient. <sighs> we already did this. I ain't fish. There ain't no fish here, Jesus. We fished all night. Like you know what you're doing. We're the ones in the business. <sighs> One scripture talks about how Jesus said, let your net down on the right side of the boat. What if he said, what if Simon just threw it on the left side of the boat? He wouldn't have caught him. Willing and obedient. See, you can be obedient and not be willing. Well, I got paid. Got to give the tithe. <sighs> right? I'm obedient. Just got to be obedient. I don't understand how come it's not working. You're not mixing it with faith. In fact, I'm going to say this at the risk of some of you guys just not doing it. It would be better for you not to give than to give with that kind of heart. Whatever it is. I want to serve because God says I got to. <sighs> they need help. <sighs> right? No, 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 no. The willing. Those, those who consent. Yeah, this sounds like, this sounds good. The willing and obedient will eat the good of the land. I was hearing an old time man of God teach along these lines. And he said this, he said that the Lord had told him to go out to turn over his church. He was a pastor and to go and travel, right? He's just going to go and hold revivals and hold meetings in other churches. Well, in doing so, like his kids weren't adequately clothed. This was back in the depression. And uh, he didn't, like his car that he was driving, he says, he says, he basically just sold it for scrap. 
he took two notes out on it, one from one town and another from another town. This is back before they had the uh, debt tracking systems that we have today. And so he had two notes on it. This thing's wearing out, has terrible tires. And he says he's returning home from a meeting one time, and he had a a, a knot on a tire in the front, and it was like doom, 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 all the way home. Doom, 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 doom. God told him to go out into the field, and he'd take care of him. Doom, 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 doom. And he says about that time, that tire started speaking to him. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? Your kids aren't even fed adequately. Your kids aren't even clothed adequately. And now I'm about to pop on the way home. Do, 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 do. And about that time, the other one kicked in. Do, 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 do. What you gonna do? What you gonna do? What you gonna do? He said, finally, he had to answer him. I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna obey God. I'm gonna stand on his word. And I'm gonna do exactly what he told me to do. He said, those tires made him home. He fell across the bed. And he said, God, you told me to do this. And you said, if I was willing and obedient, I'd eat the good of the land. He says, go to that scripture that you're reading. Isaiah chapter 1. Read it again. If I be willing and obedient, I'll eat the good of the land. This ain't the good. God said, read it again. I'll eat, uh, I'll eat the good of the land. No, read the whole thing. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. I've done that, Lord. Read it slower. If you are willing. Instantly, he knew. See, when he was a pastor, he had all his needs provided for. They gave him a parsonage. Several times, the parishioners would bring meals over to him. And now he's, he's resenting the fact that God told him to do this. He says, when God speaks to you like that, it doesn't take you long to get willing. God, I'm sorry. I'm willing. And then God taught him about prosperity and how he's given ministering angels charge over you lest you dash your foot against a stone taught him how to pray about it he needed $150 a week to survive back then this is back in the 40s and he needed $150 a week he prayed God I'm willing I'm obedient and I'm trusting you for $150 this week told the pastor at his next meeting he said listen don't take up a special offering for me you just pass the bucket you just say this is the preacher's offering you don't do a big pull Back then, there was two messages. There was the offering message and the normal message, right? Gave him, just did the, passed the buckets. He said he got $267 that week. Praise God, it worked. Tried it again at the next, the next week. Lord, you know how much I need? Told the pastor, you just passed the buckets. Worked again and again and again and again and again. At the end of his life, he said, I could believe God for a million dollars today just as easy as I could believe God for $150 back then because it works if you're willing and obedient. Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for your good news. The good news brings us life. And Father, we want to be those that mix faith with this word and we trust you for it, God. Lord, you said if we are willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land. God, we worship you. We honor you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.